And now, coming at you from the Five Star Physique Studio in Knoxville, Tennessee, this is The Drop Set with your host, Darren Starr. Hello and good morning. Welcome everybody to episode number 121, perhaps, of The Drop Set. I don't know. I, I kind of liked making up numbers for a while, but um, you know, before too long, it's like... You can't really be creative and make up something different. Um, welcome to episode number pi. You know, I say that. That's something that works better in writing than verbally. So, yeah. Anyway, um, here we are. We're back after a brief little hiatus. Uh, no episode on Monday of this week or Friday of the previous week due to my travel. It's May 24th. It's Friday. It is a uh, bright and early uh, sun peeking out through the clouds, 7.34 in the morning. That's a total lie. There are no clouds. Sun peeking out through the trees is what I meant to say because as I look out my windows here into the backyard, nothing but trees as far as the eye can see, which is a little bit of sun peeking through. There might be clouds. I don't know. I can't see enough sky to, to know for sure. So, And I haven't been outside since the sun came up. So there we go. We have a lot to cover. So I am a little embarrassed because... Uh, well, let's get to that shortly here. Um, first of all, later on, towards the end of the episode, um, I have a, a personal update that is exciting for me for a lot of reasons. It's actually a multi-layered, multi-faceted personal update um, that I'm excited to share. Um, and also, I will be detailing something new that I'm going to be going out and trying as soon as I finish recording this podcast. So by the time you hear it, I have likely already done it, and you can see evidence of it in my Instagram story, at Darren underscore star. So be sure you check that out, too. Um, so I am a little embarrassed. Um, why? You know, because I, I overstate my abilities sometimes, I think. Um, I've gotten some really good um, submissions from people um, for questions, and my default response, because as you know, woe is me, and and several of you actually have, have commented on that, like, hey, I'm I'm sending you over a question just because you sound like kind of a, a sad lost puppy, and I want to pat you on the head and help. Which I mean, you know what? Fine, I'll take it. I'm, I'm not above that. Um, but I respond to everybody. I'm like, that's great. I'll use that in the next episode. And now here I am recording the next episode, and I've probably got too much stuff to actually get to, which is a great problem to have. So, um, but I'll get to all of it, eh, you know, eventually. Um, so um, let's uh, let's just jump right to it. Um, we're gonna um, go to a, a, a voicemail here, and uh, you know the way these come in. I've outlined this before. They go to my Google Voice um, mailbox, and I just download them from there, and they get saved with. Um, let me just pull one up here to see for sure. Um, here we go. Am I still recording? Yeah. Um, so this one that I'm gonna plug in here says. Vo the, the file name is voicemail underscore one two five four two eight nine five one four one underscore two oh one nine oh five two zero like okay I have no idea what that is so when I say we're going to check out a voicemail here and I'm just going to drop this in and see what is I have no idea which one this is now I remember all these when they came in now I've forgotten what they all were like I uh, you know, Google Voice provides me a written transcription of what it thinks the person is saying, which is usually hilarious because it's way off, but I can kind of get the gist of it. So I know that uh, knew at one point the general subject matter of all these messages. I have since forgotten for sure because, you know, I have the, the memory of a gnat, so it just doesn't work. Um, but we're going to grab one of these, pull it in, and see what happens. And I promise this is actually how it works. I'm, I'm not going to pull this in and be like, oh, I don't want to do that one right now. Let me bring the other one. So I'm just going to grab this one, um, this one that ends in 520. I'm going to grab that, and we're going to see who it is and what they've got to say. Hey, Darren, this is Tasha down in Temple, Texas. 
and I was calling because you were in desperate need of someone to call and see how you're doing. Well, how are you doing? I hope it's well. I was actually calling to comment on your comments regarding the wellness division that was just recently announced. I'm very glad that you did not go back and re-edit it because exactly the way that you said everything was exactly the way that I was feeling. Although I am new to everything within the NPC and bodybuilding, it just it doesn't make any sense. It's almost like they're trying to throw in three different categories and say, let's make up a new one. And by what I mean by that is they want someone that's bigger, less striations, which you kind of mentioned that it's it's supposed to be figure, and then but then they're also saying that it's supposed to be soft, so then like bikini. It just doesn't make any sense. So your comments were right on. Thank you for not re-editing, and I hope you're doing well. Talk to you soon. All right. Thank you, Tasha. And you see what I mean? A couple of people have acknowledged, yeah, Darren's kind of sad and pitiful and he needs some help. So let, let's, let's, let's call Darren and, you know, make, make it feel like he's got a friend. And I appreciate that. So, um, yeah, Tasha, I mean, my, my opinion has not changed. Now I have heard from a couple clients who want to potentially explore wellness division as an outlet. And so I just need to make very clear, like if anyone wants to compete in this division, I'm not judging you any more than I would judge somebody who wants to compete in men's physique. You know, it is a division that exists. We need bodies to put in it. Otherwise, there's no point. And actually, I mean, maybe it's my job as a coach to steer people away from it in hopes that the division dies a, uh, a quick death before it ever even really gets to draw breath of life. So, I don't know. I, I don't consider my responsibility as a coach to be, you know, it is not to serve my own interests. It is to serve the interests of my clients. And if somebody wants to compete in the wellness division, and I feel like they'd be a good fit for the criteria as laid out, once we know what the hell those criteria are, then sure. I mean, that's my job. So, I, I'm, I'm not going to go on a crusade against it, but I'm also not going to change my opinion that I don't think it should be something that exists. Um, just like, yes, uh, I, I will gladly and have and will continue to help guys get ready for men's physique shows. Absolutely. I, I have a good idea of what they're looking for in that division and how to get it done. It doesn't mean I like the existence of the division, but you don't have to, you know, I mean, it's kind of like, uh, you know, the, uh, the um, touring um, artist, musician, um, who's sick of playing their songs from 30 or 35 years ago. But, you know, you kind of have to. You know, it's part of the job. People expect it. Um, you don't have to like it, but you just have to do it, and you have to do it well. So, and, you know, you have to, you have to put on a face that lets people know that, uh, that you mean it. So, um, you know, if I go to an Elton John concert, and he's singing your song and totally mailing it in, first of all, I get it. It's not my favorite song either. And after 50 years of singing it, I'd be over it too. Um, how about something more like, uh, oh, Take Me to the Pilot. Okay, that, that is a song that was from the same album, just as old. Um, but if, if he was mailing in a performance of that, I'd be like, yeah, not so much, buddy. I'm not there with you. So um, you gotta, you got to put his face on it. Same thing here. So, you know, I've uh, I got to bring it. If somebody wants to compete in men's physique or in the wellness division, 
or bikini. I mean, you could question how you know appropriate that division is in bodybuilding. I think it's become accepted enough that I think my opinion is in the minority. But uh, I still remember how I felt when that division was introduced, and those feelings haven't really changed. Like, really? I mean, you know, think back to what a bodybuilding show used to be. It was bodybuilding, men and women. That's it. That was the division available. It's not like, what division are you going to compete in? It's, are you a man or are you a woman? That's where you go. And then we introduced figure. Um, and uh, that had its own, and it just goes to show, NPC has had a long track record of making really, really dumb-ass decisions. NPC, IFBB jointly. So when figure was first introduced, this was back in the, oh, I used to know this, 90s-ish, uh, something around there. Um, do you remember, have you seen evidence of this? Um, there were, there were multiple rounds for figure. There was the two piece round and then also the one piece round. Yes, that's right. Much like men's physique with the knee length board shorts, women once competed in suits that did not allow them to show their abs. So yes. Can you believe that? I know, right? A little weird. Um, it, it, uh, I find it fascinating to think of the fact that so many people competing today probably don't know that. Um, so there you go. Yeah, the, the one-piece round for figure. Go figure. Uh-huh. Yeah. So um, to, to Tasha's point, um, yeah, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Like It's a conglomeration of all these categories. And basically, um, I, I think um, the uh, – what is the – uh, organization is that uh, NABBA, uh, N-A-B-B-A, and I think probably some other um, international organizations, they have a division um, that they, they call trained figure, um, which is basically like, you know, it's it, it's like figure, but it, typically the, the judging standards internationally um, will promote a little bit of additional sharpness and separation. Um, so trained figure, this is kind of like untrained figure, or as we might call it, unprepped figure. Um, where it's basically like, yeah, we want to see all the shape, but we don't want to see any of the work that you had to put into uh, to, to get the kind of conditioning that's going to be competitive at a high level. Um, so, yeah, I mean, for that reason, I, I don't really support it. I am an advocate of putting in the work. Now, I realize a lot of people um, cannot achieve that level of conditioning. Okay, I, I get that, and that's not a... Uh, uh, slight on anyone's work. You know, whenever anybody wants to simplify something and say, it's just diet and cardio, you do that and you get shredded. I'm like, no, there, there are genetic markers and there are individual differences that make it, you know, if, if there, there are women out there that can get to six, seven, eight percent body fat naturally, even, yes, there are out there, they are out there. There are many more that cannot, regardless of how hard they work. Um, and so, yeah, the, 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 now, that is also not the judging standards for figure currently. You don't need to be that lean in order to be competitive at a high level. Um, but uh, I don't know. They're, they're, this is an unfleshed out thought, clearly. But uh, I, I don't like the idea of taking what probably should have been a judging standard all along, but it's been allowed to morph into something else and then having an overreaction and putting in a new target that falls way to the outside boundaries of what the, the standard used to be. So clearly you look back in the days for figure and you had women who were lean separated um, and you know, had, had a good level of conditioning. And now it's gotten to the point where, you know, everything's a cartoon. It's like the smaller, the waist, the bigger, the delts, the more V taper, the more quad flare, um, it's, it's just, you know, it's like, good Lord. I mean, it, it's, 
it kind of looks, you know, they talk about proportion. I'm like, there's no proportionality here. This is all about exaggeration. Uh, nothing is in proportion with anything else. Now, it is in the way that it's being, you know, it's we're kind of redefining what proportion means, where it's like, you know, you're in proportion if you're out of proportion, which is just dumb. And it goes against, like, the basic fundamental principle of bodybuilding and, and judging and bodybuilding. Um, so these cartoonish elements are actually what they're looking to keep, as far as I can tell, um, while they dial back on the conditioning a little bit. So, no, it, it's, uh, it, it's not a good idea. It's not a good idea. So, yes, you can compete in the wellness division, and if you want to, I'll help you with it. I just don't think it's a division that we need. So, there you go. Um, okay, another one at random here. We're going to pick another one and see what we get. Hi, Darren. This is Sally, uh, your client from Seattle that is Australian. Um, I just wanted to call in about the wellness division. You know how I feel about this because we've discussed it over email. Um, I agree that if the NBC fixes the criteria, maybe it won't be necessary. However, as a girl with actual quads and an actual back, I think it's actually quite interesting because I look at figure pros at the moment and I think to myself, how many years is it going to take for me to get those delts? And how long do I need to practice getting that lat spread perfect? A lot of people say you should take off, like, two years to become, like, competitive and figure. But perhaps having the wellness division there gives someone like me a place to compete that's not bikini, where I'm pretty sure some of those athletes have legs as big as my arms are at the moment, and that's not really attractive to me. As well, I have really short hair. I can't hide my back, and I don't want to be marked down for it because it's fabulous. Anyway, those are my thoughts. Um like you, really interested to see what they say and then how it precipitates next year. Bye. Awesome. Thank you, Sally. I appreciate that. And so, you know, I've, I've been working with Sally for a while now. We're in a growth phase and we're going to continue on with that for a little while. We're trying to make some plans and figure out what to do. So you can kind of get, get from that where her head is right now. And Sally, I just have to say also, having been uh, a guy who is from the Northwest and has spent a fair bit of time in Seattle, I'm just wondering like, you know, how frequently do people comment on your accent when you're in? Because in Seattle, I mean, talk about a total fish out of water. I don't know. Uh, I, I just imagine that's something you probably totally get sick of hearing. And right now, you're probably rolling your eyes and like, God, I can't believe he's going there on the podcast. Well, I went there. And if you know me at all, you know I'm a dumbass and I'm always going to go for a lowest common denominator kind of comment. So there you go. Anyway, I uh, appreciate it. And so you can see like there's a recurring theme running through here, you know, wellness division. You know, it's, it's definitely generating some buzz. And so if the NPC wanted, you know, if they made the announcement for that reason, congratulations. Mission accomplished. You've played us all for suckers. Uh, you win. Uh, so um, now the the reason the the reasoning behind this and the rationale behind your thinking, you know, how long would it take to grow into figure? I mean, as far as I understand, I mean, and I kind of alluded to this in the response to, to Tasha's note as well. I don't know that the overall um, development differences between figure and wellness, like the amount of uh, muscular tissue and development that they want to see in those divisions are going to be all that different. I think it's largely a conditioning difference and probably I would assume also a presentation difference. I, I, they've, they've got to do something with the posing to differentiate it. Um, but, and, and also uh, the, the other thing is, um, I, they've got to disallow any crossovers between the two divisions. Um, that's the other thing because as soon as one person crosses over and they take the overall and figure and wellness, this whole experiment is done. 
And you know that's going to happen within a month. If they allow crossovers between figure and wellness, uh, the first month that these shows are on the board in 2020, that's going to happen. Probably the first weekend that these shows happen in 2020, that'll happen. Um, I, I guarantee it because the judges are going to be like, as they always are, you know, oh, that's more extreme. Oh, they're more conditioned. They're more developed. Well, it's not really in the judging standards, but you know what? They put in the work. So, yeah, absolutely. Even though that is exactly not the point of this division. Um, but I just don't trust the judges to be able to contain themselves. There you go. Spoken as someone who, yes, has never been a judge. I get that. You have hard jobs. But that's your job, not mine. My job is to sit here and criticize you if I think you're doing a shitty job. And uh, universally, no. But uh, there have been many, many, many trends overall and a lot of bad decisions from judging tables that are actively ruining what bodybuilding is and is the reason why we now have 45 divisions that you could potentially compete in. So um, you've got to... And, and Part of this comes down to the the governing bodies not really providing uh, hard criteria on what divisions should be. So that is another reason why I think this announcement from this joint um, NPC-IFBB announcement about the wellness division is a mistake. Because they're announcing the division with no criteria and saying, that'll come later. The whole point of the division has to be based around the criteria. You don't announce it until you're able to explicitly and in great detail uh, tell us what it is. Um, and it just shows that they're going to repeat the same mistake. So yes, September or whatever, you know, it's probably going to be later than that, probably October, um, when they'll make the announcement on what the criteria is. It's going to look half-assed. It's going to look like they did a copy and paste from probably, you know, figure and just changed a few words. Um, and then they're going to plug in um, either some uh, stage photos, which will... <laughs> probably be you know initially uh, so i'm being optimistic they probably won't have stage photos realistically um but they'll, they'll do one of a few things they will um bring in some stage photos from um international shows where this division supposedly exists um but again those judging standards uh probably won't have a direct translation to what we're going to see here in the states um or uh, they will just use uh, figure division, but say, you know, use your imagination and pretend, you know, we're looking for something a little softer than this. Um, or they will find <laughs> some, some photos from the figure division um, of somebody who finished like, you know, 8 out of 12 or something like that, but has good proportion, just no condition, and say, there you go, yeah, that's what we're looking for, yeah. Um, which I don't know if anybody really wants to be that model. <laughs> you have their photo used for wellness division when they came in like eighth in their class or whatever. But I mean, that it sounds like that's kind of what they're after. Good development, uh, a, a less extreme level of conditioning. So um, I don't know. I don't know, Sally. I don't know what to tell you. Um, I wish I had a good answer for you other than I feel your pain. I understand the appeal, um, but I don't think, um, you know, Realistically, I think most of the extreme physiques that we're seeing, um, first of all, I think m more than anything else, they're in physique rather than in figure. Um, in, fi in figure, I think um, most of the women there look, um, in the bodybuilding sense of the world, relatively normal. Understanding that they look like freaks if they just walked into a Burger King or a Walmart, but still, you get what I'm talking about. I mean, they, they, they don't look, uh, you know, you... you you put some clothes on them and it, it, they look like, oh, okay, they could pass for normal. You know, uh, you know, this is an athletic person. Uh, that, that's the idea. Um, 
who will have trouble shopping for clothes, you know, because that's the the problem of every bodybuilder. So, um, now at at the very, very, very top ends of figure, you have some extreme physiques, which unfortunately they are rewarding when really it's just, it's just all genetic, um, more than anything else. Like you have a tiny, tiny bone structure. You've got a 13 inch waist. Oh, great. You're a figure champion. Well, you know, that's not something that you can train your way into. So, and we've talked about that before about, um, you know, a, a physique that is, um, earned versus one where you have, uh, you know, incredible genetic gifts, um, and just a great structure. You know, what are we rewarding? Are we rewarding work or are we rewarding the way you were born and the structure that you have zero control over? You know, we've talked about that a little bit before. It'd probably be worth another discussion soon. Um, but, uh, I, I think overall figure is a, a pretty reasonable aesthetic that is not super extreme. Um, the problem is the ones that are winning at the highest level are extreme. So, um, yeah, take that for what it's worth, uh, which <laughs> ain't much, ain't much, but nonetheless, uh, appreciate it, Sally. So thank you. What, uh, what else we got? Let's go on to the next one here. We're kind of blazing through these. We're, we're 21 minutes in and we're, uh, we're going at a good clip here. So actually hold on, hold the phone, time out, pause button. Um, first of all, I'm going to try and make an attempt to do this whole episode without a break. Oftentimes I'll take one of those breaks and it's like two seconds. And then I come back and I'm like, woohoo, five hours have passed. And you're like, wow, this guy works in some very interesting ways. Um, but no, I'm going to try and keep running here because you know what? I've got a date later this morning and I'm eager to get out to it, but I want to wrap this up. I want to finish this podcast. And I want to get it posted before I go and do that. So, um, I kind of have to, because as I mentioned, I'm teasing something here, but I got to talk about that before I go do it. So, um, so we are instead going to, uh, go to a, a written question that I had here. So this comes from, uh, this is from Sean in Hawaii. And thank you, Sean. I got your, uh, uh, he emailed me and had a question here and had some good comments to, to offer as well. So Sean in Hawaii, I'm going to try, I was try to do this and fail. I'm going to try to read this quote word for word without interjecting my thoughts along the way. So let's, let's start taking bets. What's the over under on how many words Darren can get out before he has to break his own rule and interject some thoughts and he interrupts his own quote. So I'm setting the over under at 22. So place your bets and... Now, here we go with Sean in Hawaii. Quote, I am 38, former active duty Marine turned airman in the guard. I've been lifting for years, but consistency was the issue. I have to focus on running once a year for my PT test. I've been back lifting consistently for a year, basically at maintenance. Uh, I need cuts, and I was thinking about lining it up with when I need to be lean and fast for my PT test. Basically, Use the, the building up for my run as my cardio. Do you have any suggestions on how to work those in together? It seems to be a natural fit, but my peak would accumulate in a sit-up, push-up, run year while looking at my best. Look forward to listening to your response. Woohoo! Oh, end quote. Sorry, the woohoo was not Sean. That was me. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, I didn't rehearse that um, going forward. So I think there might have been a, a, a little uh, something lost in translation there. Not translation, but, you know, typing to, to verbals. So. Um, so, Sean, first of all, thank you. Um, and uh, to all those who bet the over on that 22-word uh, mark, you win. Kudos to you. Your prize, the satisfaction of having won a bet with yourself. There you go. Uh, so, uh, Sean, you have got absolutely the right idea here. So I have done this many, many times. And 
Um, I will say also, um, it depends on, uh, and so full disclosure, um, I have, and this will come as a shock to absolutely no one who has ever met me in person. I have no formal military experience. (laughs) That qualification didn't need to be in there. I have no formal or informal military experience at all. I think what I meant to say is no direct experience. I have some indirect experience in that I've worked with a lot of active duty military. So, um, and what does that indirect experience entail? Well, it means I have no clue what you deal with on a day-to-day basis. And, uh, I only have the most vague appreciation for what you do. Um, but I understand some of the requirements of what you have to deal with for things like a PT test. So, um, and the one thing I've noticed, and this seems to vary, and I don't know what the terminology or the lingo here is. So, um, to all of you who are, um, active, former active duty, retired military, whatever, um, please forgive me for the butchering of whatever lingo I'm about to butcher here. So, um, you've got your branches of the military, uh, army, Navy, air force, Marine coast guard. Didn't forget national guard. Also, there you go. Look at me. Um, but then within that, the rules like for army, the rules for Navy, the rules for the Marines, um, they don't, uh, all seem to be consistent within a branch. Um, as far as the PT test is concerned. So I think there's probably a subdivision under that, and I don't know if it has to do with where you're stationed or what kind of a division you're in or whatever. See, this is the lingo that I'm butchering. Division, I probably just made that up. I have no fucking clue at all. So, um, But, you know, you've got the branch, which I think, so, I mean, first of all, top level of the tree, uh, or, or I guess the, the root of the tree, uh, you're all in the military. And then your first uh, your first uh, point of separation up from that is which branch of the military are you in. And then up beyond that, I don't know what the hell you call it. So, like, you know, what are the subdivisions if you're in the Army or subdivisions if you're in the, the Marines or whatever? I have no clue. So clearly, uh, everybody who has military experience right now is either rolling their eyes at me or they're like, yeah, get on with it, dude. We know nobody understands this stuff except us. So just shut up. You're embarrassing yourself. To which I say, of course, (laughs) have you listened to this podcast? Embarrassing myself is what I do. I'm kind of a professional at it. So step off, stay in your lane. I'll stay in mine. Um, But uh, within, I'm like, everybody that I've worked with has been in the army. They have not all had the same PT test requirements. Um, like sometimes, you know, there's almost universally a push up and a setup requirement. Some people have to do a short distance run. Some people have to do a longer distance run. I've heard of people having to do a swim component of it. Um, some people get on a treadmill. Some people have to run outside. Um, you know, the, the differences, uh, and sometimes it's, uh, the push ups and sit ups are, uh, one minute timed. How many can you get in? Sometimes it's two minutes timed. How many can you get in? So whatever the test condition, are your first step is to know them Um, and then using the specificity principle of personal training practice to those requirements so if your goal is a two-mile run then your cardio needs to be a two-mile run practicing a four or a six-mile run isn't going to be the same you know practice your two-mile run the other question about this and this is another thing that that varies i think depending on if you're using this pt test as a springboard into a potential promotion or something like that or just you know a feather in your cap towards that um is you know do you just need to get a passing score or do you need to get the max score if you just need to get a passing score 
Sean, none of what you're talking about here is necessary at all. Um, you know, if you are a relatively conditioned human being um, and you work out regularly and you have, uh, unlike me, you have actually run more than once in the past two years, you're going to be able to pass this test. Um, but if you're looking to max it now, suddenly, yes, actually practicing for it and actually phasing your diet a little bit so that you are lighter and there's less of you to move around when it's time for test, that's a really smart thing to do. So whatever the test conditions are, let's say for um, sake of uh, brevity here, it's two minutes worth of push-ups, two minutes worth of sit-ups, and uh, a two-minute, uh, a two-mile run, okay? Um, those are what you need to practice, and I would say you practice those like, you know, um, practice it two to three times a week, um, depending on how much buildup you've got. And um, if you are actively uh, doing a cut, keep in mind, this is all cardio conditioning and endurance stuff. So you can do this stuff on a deficit and not really have it inhibit your performance too much. And also, um, you, do, you, know, you do push-ups, sit-ups, and run like that for long enough. That in and of itself is a cardio session. So yes, it can be really, really efficient to practice for that test while you're cutting because um, you know, that, that can absolutely fulfill a cardio requirement. You could do it five times a week if you wanted to. Um, you know, the more you practice it, the better you'll get at it. There is a point of diminishing returns at some point, though. So, and the idea is, you know, you're tracking this performance as well. So you're not just indiscriminately doing push-ups, sit-ups, and running, um, but you're actually logging your results on that. And every time you go in, I mean, it's like you consult the logbook for your lifting. Every time you go to do it, you're like, okay, last time I got, you know, uh, 97 push-ups in two minutes. Great. Well, today my target is 98. And the only issue that I think you're going to have is the fact that if you do that more frequently, you're going to get really really fucking sick account to 100 but other than that you're gonna I mean it's gonna work it's gonna be successful um, you're gonna get conditioned you're gonna get accustomed to the um, parameters of the test so then when it comes it's like well yeah here's my test but guess what I did this five times last week so big deal you know what your performance is gonna be um, and similarly you you need to have a uh, uh, a means to um, uh, you, you need to, uh, for, for your uh, run, you, you want to have a, a timing marker that you can seek to match or better. And again, you're only going to get so fast at that. And then you're going to get to a point where it gets really, really difficult to, uh, to beat that pace. But at that point, by the time you get there, you should be at a point where you're in the, the bracket for the max possible score on your PT test. So, and probably blow it away. So, um, but yeah, you've absolutely got the right idea there. That, that's exactly what you do. So, um, you know, have the... Um, the uh, cut uh, culminate in your PT test. That That is basically the quote-unquote show that you would be working towards in the bodybuilding sense. So great question there, though. I like it, and uh, it's a common one I know. Um, I get that a lot from clients, um, and it's always a concern where it's uh, oftentimes it's more of like an, oh, yeah, I got this thing coming up in two weeks. Can we work on that a little bit? Kind of one of those last-minute kind of things. So, um, okay, so there we go. Let's... Uh, Let's jump back into another voicemail here and see what we got. Once again, kind of at random here. Hi, Darren. This is Sally again. You said 20 seconds, so I thought I would split up my two comments. Um, just calling in about demotivational coaches. Uh, for me, one of the most demotivational things that I've ever experienced in a coach was that they just didn't listen to my human cues or my life cues. Uh, so in January this year, and since this, like between December and, and January, my I was pretty sure that my life was falling apart. So my relationship was absolutely ridiculously stupidly bad. And at work, I also felt that was really crap and was actively looking for other work, but felt really stuck. So I told my coach I just wanted to 
train really hard and grow because I felt that the only thing I had control over was myself and I wanted to maximize that. So I felt really good about myself. But instead of actually doing that, they just told me that we would do that. And they didn't change my workouts at all. Uh, They were forgetting, like, how much cardio I was doing and asking me how much I was doing and cutting my carbs pretty much every week. So I wasn't really seeing any progress at all, and I just wasn't really feeling very motivated by not being listened to and not being heard. Um, And I decided to switch, and that's how I started working with you. And, um, like, in the end, once I told them I didn't want to work with my old coach anymore, they admitted they had absolutely no idea what to say about um, the issues that I had with post-show binging and that they felt like they were being motivational, but it just wasn't really translating across to me. Um, like, I feel that it just, I was spinning my wheels at the time. And for us, like, we spend a huge time investment in, you know, working on ourselves. And um, you don't always expect, like, a best friend out of your coach. But having someone listen and actually, you know, give you something that helps you feel motivated to, you know, take action in that one part of your life that the 10 hours, the 15 hours, however long you spend in the gym is actually a really important thing. So having that fall off the rails um, because they're just not listening to you is, is kind of silly and such a missed opportunity. So I'm really happy now. Obviously, you know, I get to eat. You know I you know I'm training. So party. Anyway, bye. Hey, it's Sally again. Awesome. And I got to tell you, so these demotivational coach stories, uh, <laughs> it's it's kind of a good thing, bad thing, because I'm like, man, part of me is like, I'm really glad you had a lousy experience with your previous coach because that's how you found me. So uh, it works out for both of us. So, uh, but I mean, yeah, it does suck. It does suck. And the the one thing that I will say often, um, what is up with that phrase? The one thing I say a billion things often. The one thing, good. You 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 all could be so lucky that I would only say one thing. No, no. One of the ten billion things that I say ad nauseum all the damn time is that. Uh, I recognize, because I am one myself, that all of my clients are humans first. And if y'all were just robots and uh, I could send over your plan in a spreadsheet form and just upload it into your brain and push a button and have you execute it, great. Because then we wouldn't need to check in. We wouldn't probably need to make any adjustments or anything like that. And everything, that's easy. But that is not how it works. And I think a lot of coaches are still, and I, I appreciate the old school mentality of bodybuilding as much as anyone. Um, but I also recognize that it's really not relevant for 2019. And that old school mentality is, here's the plan. Follow it. If you can't, you know what? This isn't for you. Um, which I can appreciate that. And I will take that approach with some people to some extent. Um, which is to say, you know what? You've got to be mentally tough and if you're not mentally tough enough to do something you don't want to do, then you, bodybuilding is not for you. And that's part of the, you know, the the exclusivity claim of bodybuilding, where you know only a few of us are good enough, tough enough, strong enough, disciplined enough to do this. And so, if we can um, knock more people off the ladder and have them fall back down to the ground, that makes us feel more special—the ones who are actually able to do this. Um, the problem is that is bodybuilding from the 70s and 80s, not today. Today, it is built around inclusivity. And so I would say um, for 
anyone who wants to do men's or women's bodybuilding, that is the appropriate mentality to take. Yes. Um, if you want to do bodybuilding, not men's physique, not classic physique, not figure or anything like that. But if you want to do bodybuilding, yeah. I mean, you need to be programmable to an extent. And that's not to sell the other division short, because I think if you are programmable, um, it will be, uh, you know, it, it, it is a huge boon for your overall success and also makes my job way easier too. So I love that. Those people are few and far between. Um, and I think that is why, you know, the, these other divisions have been created that are less extreme than bodybuilding because it takes that kind of discipline and programmability to get to that extreme. Um, so, um, but there are also different body types involved. And so one person's extreme is going to look very different from another person's extreme. Um, just based on, you know, your genetic uh, ability to, to put on muscle, your genetic ability to, um, lose body fat, uh, your desire or willingness to use chemical assistance. So there, there are a lot of factors that go into changing that. Um, but also just treating people as people, um, and understanding like, yeah, what, like what Sally said, your human cues and your life cues, um, th those are important things. And so that is why I, as a coach, I like to be nosy. I like to know what's going on in your life. I like to dig in a little bit. I, I like to ask on my check-in forms, how stressed are you and why? You know, you got family problems, you got work problems, you got whatever problems, your car broke down or whatever. I want to know about that. Um, not because I'm going to be able to fix all of it, but I can help talk you through it and put a little perspective on it and just understand like, Hey, you know what? Th this is a problem that's been simmering for a while and you got to get it fixed. Um, and I can't fix it for you, but I can help point out that this is something that is not going to get fixed on its own. And you've been dealing with it for a while. And I think just kind of hoping that it will take care of itself and it's not gonna. So we've got to be proactive about addressing it. Um, but, um, you know, as far as like, I, th I think you had the right idea. You know, if you're, if you're stressed out and you've, you've got issues with your relationship and your work and you don't have a whole lot positive going on, um, you know, there are some people who will just bury themselves into prep and that's when they can be most successful when they're in the gym two and a half hours a day, grinding out double cardio sessions and a lift on top of that, um, on minimal calories, you know, no carbs, et cetera. Some people thrive in those situations because, um, it, it's something that they can use to distract themselves. Um, other people, I would put myself in this category and Sally, maybe you're in this category as well. Um, I kind of need everything to be good in life. Um, like, you know, relatively stress-free. I need to be able to have a clear head because I want to focus on what I'm doing with prep. Um, prep is not a distraction for me. It is something to focus on. So as a coach, understanding that there are more than one ways. Did I say that right? There are more, there are multiple ways <laughs> that people can approach these things and it's their mindset. It's kind of like, you know, I've talked about this before. If you're stressed out, can you channel that into a good workout or is it going to ruin your workout? Same kind of thing. It's how you respond to that on a day-to-day -day basis, but also that can um, totally impact the, what becomes an appropriate phase for you to be in. And so I've worked with, um, People, I'm thinking, um, you know, uh, Alan, he's a guy I'm working with in, uh, in the Houston area right now. Um, I said Houston area, but it's probably more like Corpus Christi, I don't know. Uh, coastal Texas ish area out there. Uh, here I, 
I've mentioned multiple times today, in fact, that I'm an idiot. So I'm just laying out all the proof for that right here. Um, but, you know, we're, we're factoring, we're, we're kind of playing around with um, the phase that he's in, whether we're growing or cutting. That has a lot to do with his school schedule, um, because when he's got classes that are ramping up, his time of, uh, available for cardio goes down. So as uh, as, as school um uh, lessons up. I'm like, great, let's do a little bit of a cut here. Let's trim some of this fat off. And now, um, you know, school's starting back up. So just when we updated yesterday, we started transitioning back into a growth phase. Um, now when you do it like that, it's not ideal because you're never really in a phase, uh, in a cut long enough to really get some benefit from it, but we're trying to grow anyway. So it makes sense to, you know, focus on growth and then spend a few weeks here and there. Just, okay, let's whittle away some of the excess fat that we put on. Now let's go back into growth. So, um, I think it makes sense to listen to those cues tremendously. So, um, when you, when you've got a coach that's controlling the strings and just continues to tighten the, the vice though, and just demonstrates that they're not listening and that they've got, you know, this is the way that we do it. And if you can't do this, well, you know what? Too bad because this is what we're doing. Uh, yeah, it, I, I just don't, I don't dig it. So, um, you can absolutely feel like you're spinning your wheels. And also when you're, when you're of a mind like, man, I really want to be changing phases. And I think, you know, based on how I'm feeling right now, I probably should. Even if you're in prep for a show, you can acknowledge and say, I don't think this show's a good idea right now. I'm not in the right space for it. That happens. That happens. Um, and, and and allow yourself to, to have that conversation with yourself and have that conversation with your coach. And if they disagree, I mean, first of all, you're the one steering the ship. You know, they can't make you do a show and get on stage and compete. So, you know, uh, exert your will to some extent, um, make them listen to you and you're going to get a couple responses. Possibly you'll get a response from a coach. That's like, Oh, you know what? I didn't know that was that important to you, but I get it. Um, I really wanted to keep you on that track because you were doing really well with it. And I was hoping we might just be able to refocus you a little bit. And, uh, you know, so yeah. Okay, fine. Or (laughs) you'll, you'll get the other reaction, which is, what? <laughs> what? What do you mean you don't just want to do what I say? In which case, your coach is a douchebag and they probably need to be fired. So, so Sally, thank you once again. So I appreciate that. Um, let's, uh, oh boy, how many more notes do we have? This might be a long podcast, people. I'm sorry. Here's the question. Do I go through all the voicemails that I have? Do I, do I effectively like blow my wad here and end up with nothing left over for a Monday episode? Or are, can I go through all these right now and are y'all going to come through over the weekend and give me some more to, to talk about on Monday? I don't know. If you don't, you're, you're going to get a 45-minute lawn update on Monday. So, Matt, yes, yes. I, Darren, the host of the drop, drop set, just threatened all of you with a 45-minute lawn update. So, you know what you got to do. 865-518-2974. That is the number that you call. That is the number, when you call it, I will not answer. It will ring. It will go to voicemail. You can talk to me there. So, um, and that note does say something like 20 seconds, you know, and I've talked about this before. I just don't want, like, a big you know, rambling, incoherent, uh, message that doesn't make any sense. What you've heard from Tasha and Sally so far, that's perfect. I think it will cut you off after like two minutes, but you got some time to play with there. So it's all good. Okay. We're going to do another voicemail. We're going to do one. Let's check it. Hey Darren, this is Tasha down in Texas. I was debating if I should call in this question or not, but I decided to help for it. I'll just go ahead and call it in and ask. Um, in your last podcast, I think it was, you mentioned something about 
messing around with sodium and that it's kind of cutesy and not really something that you recommend doing. Or maybe it wasn't your last one. Whatever. But anyways, you mentioned that. And uh, I was curious about what your full take is on that. And the reason why I asked that is, is because I am now in my peak week. And prior to this past weekend, I was asked, to take in a tablespoon, not a teaspoon, a tablespoon of salt with each meal. Um, Pause for dramatics. I did do it for only two meals because that was all that I could literally choke down. Um, And I say choke down because I did feel woozy afterwards. I, I, I started to feel like utter shit. Um, from it and I started to do my research on it and realized that I if I had done that for each meal I would have been taking in about 36 mil 36,000 milligrams of sodium for that day and then the next day and the day after well just with that consumption I gained six pounds and obviously it was water weight that has kind of been shed over the next couple of days but um, I did cut it back to a teaspoon, but I'm just curious of your thoughts on that. And <laughs> I'm glad I didn't die. Talk to you soon, Darren. Thanks for everything. Bye. Wow. Thanks, Tasha. So you, you see we get some, some repeat offenders today. So Tasha and Sally saving the day here. Thank you. Um, yeah, I'm glad you didn't die also because uh, as you paused for dramatic effect, allow me as well. What the fuck? I mean, <laughs> I've heard some really, really stupid shit in my day, but a tablespoon of salt, I'm assuming six times a day. Uh, what? Has anyone ever looked at a tablespoon to see how much that is? Now, for me, I would say, yeah, that's probably about a meal's worth. That's pretty good. I mean, I am a salt fiend. Okay. In all honesty, a tablespoon is a little excessive. But let me tell you, I salt the shit out of my food. Not quite that much. Not quite. Um, So, yeah, a a tablespoon of salt is is about 7,000 milligrams of of sodium. So, 7,000. Keep in mind, your daily, you know, your RDA for sodium is about 2,000-ish. 2,000 to 2,500 milligrams. So, um, a tablespoon is going to put you over that by almost a factor of three. And then you're doing that six times in a day. Or, or five, I don't know how many meals you've got, but if it's six times in a day, that's going to put you at about 42,000 milligrams of sodium, not 36. So maybe you only had five meals, I don't know. Um, yeah, that is uh, that is intense. So first of all, a few things here. Um, if your coach ever asks you to do sodium loading, just tell them no. Say, you know what? Uh, I trust you. We've had a good run. I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that. Sodium loading is easily the dumbest fucking thing that anyone has ever done for or in advance of a peak week. How many times has that ever worked in anyone's benefit? Um, I think I can count the number of times on about zero fingers. Um, It it is absolutely, and and Tasha, you, you now have experienced this, so you know the old mantra of, you know, in bodybuilding, if it makes you feel bad and you're suffering from it, it's probably good for you. That's where this comes from. It does nothing 
nothing for you. So um, do you want to deplete sodium a little bit? I don't know. You might. I still don't usually think that's the, the right course of action. But the way you deplete sodium is to use it regularly throughout your prep and then just stop using so much of it. You know, dial it back rather than try to eliminate it, which is one of the reasons. I mean, first of all, let's be clear. The main reason why I use a lot of sodium is because I like my food to have some flavor to it. So, um, I do not shy away from it at all. So, and I, I got that from my wife. She started me on that and, uh, yeah, there's no, no looking back now. So, um, so, uh, if it comes time for peak week, um, and I need to cut it back, I just use like the amount that a normal person would instead of my amount. And my food will taste really bland by comparison, but for a few days I can choke it down Yeah, no big deal. Um, the other thing worth noting is that I didn't really do that when I peaked. Um, you know, my coach didn't want me screwing with my sodium, so which is great because um, I wouldn't have very much. I would have put my foot down if she wanted me to sodium load. I've been like, yeah, not so much. No thanks. Not gonna do it. Um, so yeah, uh, when you do it for two meals, you manage to choke that down. You feel like ass. And whenever you talk to somebody who has done sodium loading, that is universal. You know, you feel like ass for sure. Now, why would you do something that's gonna make you gain six pounds before peak week? Um, the only reason I would have somebody do that is if I was a complete idiot and didn't know what I was doing or, um, somebody else did that and told me about it. Yeah, no edits, no edits. This is, uh, this is, we're doing it live. Yes. Um, you know, anybody who's ever done that, that's been their experience. That's universal. You take in that much sodium, you're going to feel like dog shit. Absolutely. So why would you want to upset your body to that extent right before peak week? Got me. Uh, you know, I think <laughs> consistency and sameness is what it's all about. If you're trying to spike up your sodium just to deplete it, I would also question the wisdom. Uh, why are you depleting it? You know, usually um, what you will find people do more often than they do anything else is uh, like they take in a bunch of sodium like the night before the show, like, you know, the, the pre-show, uh, burger ritual, um, that's for the sodium and to some extent the saturated fats and the carbs as well. But the sodium, you know, sodium, um, will, uh, you know, you take that in, you give yourself a little bit of time, you will get a better pump. You know, your, your muscle contractions will be harder. Everything will be more dense. Um, so you, you want to, if anything, bomb your sodium up, by a reasonable, reasonable amount. And like the day before, not like a week and a half before by ridiculous amounts. Um, the only thing that I can think of for this particular person who instructed you this is if they really do not understand the difference between a tablespoon and a teaspoon. Um, if you add a teaspoon of sodium, okay, that is still a shit ton. That is still an absolute metric shit ton of sodium. Um, and if anybody out there is like, what's the difference? It's three teaspoons per tablespoon. So um, if you do a teaspoon, it's a third of what Tasha did here per meal, which is still a lot. And I would argue way too much. And I'd also argue probably about my normal amount. Yeah, pretty, I'm probably more like half a teaspoon ish. I don't know. I should measure it sometime and find out. Um, but uh, I mean, if you don't understand, because, you know, the difference is one letter. It's that B. You know, a teaspoon is lowercase TSP, 
A tablespoon is capital TBSP. Um, if you don't know the difference between the two, because I remember being 10 and trying to follow a recipe and not knowing the difference and making a cake at home, and it was the most fucked up cake you'd ever seen in your life because I didn't understand the difference between teaspoon and tablespoon. Um, so I remember that. Now, granted, I was 10, but still, you know, I learned my lesson. If somebody doesn't make that cake when they're 10, they may not learn that lesson. They don't go to home ec or whatever. They're not going to learn that. So, uh I, I get it. I think that is a possibility, but still, you add a tablespoon of salt to, to six meals throughout the, or a teaspoon of salt to six meals throughout the day. See, I just did it again. Um, that's still too much. It's still too much. So, um, Tasha, I'm glad you didn't die. Um, but damn, if that isn't one of the dumbest things ever. So, when did that, uh, when did that message come in? Hold on, hold on. Um, cause I've been sitting on some of these for a while here. Um, right click properties. All the nerds out there are like, oh, man, Darren's on a Windows machine. He's not on a Mac. Yes, I said properties, not get info. Get over it. Um, okay, that was just from a couple days ago. So, uh, Tasha, are you competing now, what, tomorrow? Maybe? Eh, I don't remember. I know we've talked about it before, but <laughs> surprise, surprise, I don't remember the date. Um, anyway, uh, give us all a full report when you're done. I'll be curious to hear. Um, also, on that note, um, my coach is competing tomorrow, so um, I uh, wish her all the best, um, Coach Laney. So Laney Hart, she'll be competing in Shreveport at, um, what is it? Um, I have, there we go. What's the name of the show, Darren? Um, Optimum Classic, is that right? May 24th, 25th. Uh, does it say it's a pro-am? Yeah, IFBB Pro League or NPC, so... Yeah, um, so the Optimum Classic in Shreveport. Um, she'll be doing women's physique. It's her first pro show of the year. She has a few lined up, um, but if you've been following her on Instagram, I know a lot of you are, um, you will see that she is as ready as you're going to be <laughs> and uh, is looking a little bit freaky. So um, if, if she doesn't finish very highly at that show... It's going to be because the judges are looking for something way different. Um, it's not going to be because she didn't bring it. So we'll be curious to see what happens there. I'll be uh, cheering her on. So um, good luck, coach. Um, all right. And we've got, uh, we've got another one here. So what do we do? Yeah, let's, uh, let's do it. Let's stretch it to an hour here. We're going to do a little bonus podcast here. We're going to do this. And this is uh, a little bit different. So somebody had a, uh, an idea to circumvent the, the system. Let's hear what it is. Okay. Hey, it's me still. That was a total fail. So <laughs> I'll give you a spoiler alert. Um, somebody overseas um, sent me an email with an audio file attached to it um, because it, it wouldn't be practical to, you know, incur international long distance rates. So they just recorded a, a, vo a voicemail of their own and sent it to me. And I was going to import it. Uh, my program doesn't like the file format for whatever reason. So I'm going to have to go through and edit that thing and figure it out. But uh, nonetheless, that'll be coming. So Hang tight for that. I think I got through pretty much everything else, though. Um, I did save a, one little question here that came through via email that I'd like to address um, later. So I, I did promise, however, there would be a tease. So I, I've got a little bit left in the bank for Monday. So um, a, a tease. So personal update and, and something new for me. So personal update is I was traveling um, this last weekend-ish. Um, I left on Thursday and uh, Thursday, I left here, what, like 1.15 in the afternoon. So um, I took Thursday off from working out. 
and went to uh, went to the airport. Uh, did did a full day of work and got through pretty much everything. Got to the airport, had very little work to do on the plane, which was kind of nice. Um, flew to where did I go? Atlanta. Yes, it was through Atlanta, and then on to Portland. Um, that flight to Portland, so it got in around seven ish in the evening, something like that. Um, it was a little choppy towards the end, and so one thing about me is I get car sick really, really easily. Like if I'm a passenger in a car, all it takes is just one turn that's a little sharper than it's supposed to be. And it's like, you know, you get that sound effect in your head. Um, it's like your perspective shifts and it's like you're going into a nightmare state. Like you've seen that transition in the movies and something was like, okay, and I'm about to throw up window down, breathe, 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 uh, that nauseous feeling in your head. Um, so it happens and just talking about it, actually, I'm starting to feel it a little bit, man, that is some powerful storytelling right there. Whew. If anybody else is getting sick right now, my apologies, but Hey, if you're good, you're good, I guess. Um, but the, the ride was a little choppy, um, as we got closer to Portland, which usually doesn't bother me other than, you know, it, it makes me panic that I'm going to die, but I usually don't have any lingering effects from this. Well, I landed in Portland. I felt like ass like I had just like I, I barely was able to not throw up on the plane um and I just had that head nausea and my stomach was off and I was starving and so my plan because my parents live about an hour and a half south of the airport my plan was land go down well I just stayed the night in Portland I'm like I'm not driving like this so I got my rental car I drove five minutes to an airport I checked in and I crashed so it was kind of sucky uh, but then uh, Friday drove down um, stayed with the parents Friday night Saturday night Sunday night um, Monday um, spent most of the day there drove back up to Portland stayed the night there had an early flight Tuesday morning came back so and then it was just uh, catch up for the rest of the week um, while I was there um, it was uh, it was a good time I mean uh, for for everybody who's asking about dad um, man the dude is a first-rate stud, and that's that's all I really need to say. Um, but uh, he's a badass, truly. Uh, <laughs> it's awesome. Just the way that he's recovering from this is great. Um, it's just so encouraging to like see him back um, and being himself. Um, he has, at this point... Very few limitations. Um, you know, I, I went to a physical therapy with him on Friday and on Monday and just to see what he can do. We went up some stairs, went down some stairs. Um, you know, he has at this point a walker and a cane. He used neither of them the whole time I was there. We did several walks around the neighborhood. Um, you know, PT, uh, you know, we got a park a ways and the, where the physical therapy office is in the back of the hospital. So you got to like go in through the loading dock to get there. Um, which means you have to pass through like a bunch of construction materials and stuff like that. It's a little bit of like a video game obstacle course. Um, he navigated that just fine. And, you know, he's, he goes at a certain pace and it's fine. He's not going to break any speed records, but we don't need him to. Um, but he's, uh, he's doing fine there. Um, his speech is good. He struggles a little bit with names and just word finding sometimes, but he gets it. Um, and, uh, he doesn't really have any restrictions on, well, very, very few restrictions on food and fluids. Um, he's eating most everything. He had a feeding tube, um, in which he hadn't been using for a while. It was officially out on Tuesday. Um, so 
he's good. He's got some therapy work still to do, but he's going to wrap that up by about the second week of June. So um, super excited about that. And the bigger news still was on Friday before his physical therapy, which you could question my wisdom in encouraging this, but we went to the golf course um, where he's uh, he's been a member there for years since before he retired. Um, and he hasn't been there since January. And so we went back and it was awesome. There were only a few people there, um, but uh, everybody who saw him there was like, beeline, like, we got to talk to him. What's going on? And all we did was we went on the putting green and, you know, just farted around for a little bit. He did manage to sink an 18-footer. Um, and then uh, he said, okay, I'm done. <laughs> that, that was it. That's what I needed to do. <laughs> so uh, we, we were out there for, you know, we putted for about 15 minutes, but people were coming up and we probably spent about 35 minutes out there just standing and, you know, standing, mulling around, talking, et cetera, which was great. Just for him to be able to have that and get out of the house and get back on the golf course is awesome. Then he had PT Saturday. Um, my uh, no, we didn't have anything going on Saturday. We went out back. The, Saturday was the day when I did all the yard work for mom. I mowed and did string trimming and a bunch of odd jobs around the house just to help her out a little bit. Um, but we did a little bit of chipping practice out back, which was good. So actually, get him swinging a club, not just a putter. Um, even if only for like you know a 20, 25 foot shot, still a little practice. And then um, Sunday, there was uh, the, the men's club at the golf course meets every Sunday, Tuesday, and Thursday, I think it is. Um, and so they were meeting on Sunday, so a bunch of his buddies were going to be there. So we went out, and they were all playing, and we just got in a cart, and we just drove around and harassed people for about an hour and a half, which was awesome. So he got to see a bunch of other guys that he hadn't seen, again, since January. Um, and just to go out and see and be seen, I mean, it was cool. It was cool. That was something else. I like that. So um, the special thing that I have coming up now is inspired by that because as we were out there on Sunday, now granted, um, that's Oregon and I'm in Tennessee. So it was like, you know, 68 degrees. It was like, you know, just enough sun where it's like, hey, the sun is nice, but it's not like beating the shit out of you or anything like that. But still, um, it kind of dawned on me like, man, this is really nice out here. I've got a set of clubs. I haven't touched them except to move them in about 10 years. I should probably get out and, uh, and go play a little bit because yeah, I, I do find a little bit of enjoyment in it, but also just the, the fact that it can be a relaxation thing because I'm not terribly competitive. I don't really care if I suck at golf, but just being able to go out and swing and maybe if I'm lucky, hit something every now and then. Um, and by that, I mean a ball, like swing and hopefully hit a ball every now and then. Um, like that, that is some relaxation that I desperately need. So um, when I'm done recording this, I'm going to go out baby steps. I'm going to go to the driving range. I'm going to just hit some stuff for a little while. And what I will do when I get out there is... Uh, I will post on my Instagram story, this will be worth the price of admission, which to be clear is zero. Um, I'm going to post on my Instagram story um, video of the first ball I hit in 10 years. And we can see just how terrible my swing really is. And so I should take over under bets here. I should take bets here on what's going to happen. So first of all, um, I, I, I'm going to say four options. Nah, five, five options. There's five options here. 
Um, the first one is a long straight drive. I'm giving the odds of that at about 2%. Um, hook and slice are pretty equal. I'm going to give each of those about 20%. Um, just because, uh, well, to be clear, I'm not sure what the difference is. And I don't remember which one I tend to do more. So I'm going to handicap myself and give those each about 20%. Um, what's going to come in top, probably at about 40% is a burner where I top it and it just skids across the grass. Cause that's what I do. And then the fifth option would be a swing and a miss, which I got to tell you, I have to adjust the percentages here. That swing and a miss is probably a lower percentage than a long straight drive. I'm going to give that about a 1%. So long straight drive, you know what? I might be selling myself short. That might be more like a 7% kind of thing. So, um, and then, uh, you know, maybe, maybe a hook and a slice is like 25 each, something like that. Uh, a, a burner, about 40%. Now we're getting close to 100%. I think that's, that's where it's at. That's, that's my guess, anyway. I'm assuming a burner. I'm going to hit a driver for, for my first shot. So it's less likely that I'll hit a burner, I guess, if I'm using a driver. But if I use an iron, it's pretty much guaranteed. So um, anyway, I'll be hitting a driver. I will post that on my Instagram story so you will see. You'll have to trust me when I say it's my first shot. I will record my first shot and then I'm going to take about another hundred that I might not record, but uh, I will record my first one. So I'm going out there in a little bit. So look for that. Um, and then uh, the other personal announcement here is um, if I can have a drum roll, please. Now I have been taking drum lessons so I could uh, perform my own drum roll, except uh, I don't have my sticks. They're all the way over there. So that's, that's pretty even, right? It's not, not a bad single stroke roll for being hands on a desk pretty good. Um, I'm going on vacation, like an actual real legit vacation kind of. Um, so, and I actually just bought the tickets for this yesterday. So it is happening. Um, and I was trying to look and see when I could coordinate things so that, um, there wouldn't be any shows happening, um, while I'm gone, but there are shows happening all the time throughout the summer. So, that was pretty much a fool's errand, and then trying to coordinate it with everybody's availability was uh, going to be impossible. So it's a vacation, but I'm still going to be working with people that are, you know, on show week or will be on show week the following week. So um, I'll have a, a few people that I'm still managing, but everybody else, um, I'm going to say, hey, I'm going to be gone for a week, and if you need to get a hold of me, no, you don't. <laughs> so well, I'll make sure you're taken care of, and we have some contingency plans in place plug in a little bit of if then programming work. So if this happens, then do that um, just to tide you over for the week when I'm gone. So uh, what am I doing? We're having a two phase trip. So I am taking the wife and we are going back to Oregon. Yes. Yes. Where I've gone, I think five times this year already. Um, five. Well, I went February twice, March, April five. Yeah. Five. So this will be trip number six to Oregon. Um, so we are leaving on, Ooh, June 14th, a Friday, and we're staying in Oregon through Monday, leaving early Tuesday morning and flying into Oakland, where we are then going to tour Napa Valley um, and hang out there for a little bit and have way too much fucking wine. So uh, I've never been. I'm excited for that. Uh, I got some recommendations on some places to check out while I'm there. Um my my plan also was to um you know like like spring for some some extras here like 
you know, like get get the, some some slightly better seats on the plane. When we get to Oakland, like you know, spring for the convertible rental car. But then I I told my wife that, and she's like, "Have you met me? Me and son? No, no." And it, it's true. She she is like you know the the proverbial. Wicked Witch of the West, East, whatever. I'm melting. I mean, she she melts in sunlight. She really does. So she's like, let's skip the convertible and maybe just get like a nice like you know Volvo SUV or something like that. So I'm like, all right, cool. We can do that. Um, we'll still travel in style. Her job is picking out the Airbnb where we're going to stay, and then we'll collaborate and figure out what wineries we want to go to or and that kind of stuff. So and then just you know get out, see some scenery, um, and have a good time while we're there. So um, and we'll be there through Saturday, coming back Saturday night. So um, I'm excited for that. That's that's coming up middle of June, the 14th through the 22nd. Um, it'll be you know she she's met my parents a few times. You know that's the trick of you know being on the wrong side of the country. Um, she's been out to Oregon twice before, and then my parents came out here for our wedding as well. Um, and maybe one other time. Yeah, they've been out here twice and she's been out there twice. So, um, but she's only met my brothers and their families once, um, on a previous trip to Oregon or maybe twice. I can't remember. Damn. Anyway, not very often, not very often. So, um, it'll be great to have everybody together again. And we'll, we'll be looking forward to that. So, um, that is my update. That is it. We are approaching an hour and 10 minutes here, which is plenty. So I appreciate everyone who called in. Thank you. And for that, I mean, Sally and Tasha, you saved the day. Um, Sean, also appreciate that. The other notes that I have, I got some technical stuff to figure out, obviously. Um, I'll get that figured out over the weekend, so we'll uh, get that. Um, call in, 865-518-2974, or you risk uh, getting 45 minutes of a lawn update on Monday. Also, go check out my Instagram story, because right now, I'm going to go outside and show you what it looks like right now, um, and, then, uh, and then I'm off to the driving range. We're going to see what happens there. Place your bets. What's going to happen? Honestly, I'm feeling lucky. I feel like my first hit back is going to be the best shot of my life. Now, that might mean that I am completely and totally delusional. I'd say the chances of that are pretty high, actually. But for some reason, I got a feeling about this. So I'm going to channel a little bit of dad and see what I can do. Well, maybe not. His driving is a little suspect at times, but... Uh... <laughs> I'm kidding, Dad. Kidding. Um, so anyway, there you go. Uh, I will uh, wrap this up, I guess, and we'll be off to the races. So big day ahead. I'm going to go get some fresh air, and uh, we'll see what happens here. Thank you all for listening. Much appreciated, as always. 